Hi, I'm Kristen. Thanks so much for tuning in to part two of this Titanic mini pod series. So this episode is going to be a little bit different since we're looking at the astrology of a whole event rather than a specific person's birth chart. The energies are totally the same. So for example, Leo energy expressed by a person will have that same flavor when it shows up as part of an event. And I'm so excited to do this episode and get into a mix of astrology and mythology. Hopefully you'll find these cosmic clues as cool as I do. So like many of you, when life throws in these occasional wild cards in the form of shocking headlines, i.e. an imploding sub at the side of the Titanic wreckage, astrology often feels like a safe place to land and an opportunity to understand the energies at play and often delivering a sobering lesson in what we are actually in control of in life. So astrology is valuable for so many reasons. Not only is it a map for and of ourselves, but astrology is a map of everything around us too. And last episode, we touched on some fundamentals of astrology and the important role that it played in the story of Titanic, albeit behind the scenes. And this was, of course, a different time, a different era, and J.P. Morgan's interest in astrology was kept totally private, likely due to the unconventional nature of it all and his use of it. Or maybe he wanted to keep the secrets of the universe to himself. Who is to say? A side note, the universe is endlessly abundant, so we may as well share the wealth of knowledge that we do have. So J.P. Morgan, as we mentioned, was an Aries tycoon ahead of his time. And we can likely thank his Virgo moon for leaving us with some valuable insight into how to use astrology in a practical and tangible way. We are, after all, Earthlings. So in this episode, we'll focus on the night sky of April 14th, 1912, when the Titanic struck an iceberg at 11.50 p.m and sank below the icy Atlantic waters in the early morning hours of April 15th, 1912, around 2.20 a.m., so just a few hours later. And while the Titan submersive implosion is new to history, Titanic, the ship's sinking over a century ago, is not. So it's really allowed us enough time and space to zoom out from the tragedy and understand the larger and smaller cosmic forces at play. This ultimately adds to our collective book of cosmic wisdom. So let's get into it. I mentioned in the first episode of this mini series that astrology is a wisdom tradition. It's based on observed patterns over thousands of years and by cultures all around the world. And what's so cool and fascinating is that cultures across the globe that had no contact with one another share very similar, oddly similar mythology around the constellations and planets. So as we know, astrology isn't a religion. It's a study of patterns. And none of this is to suggest that the planets caused any of these events, they didn't. There is, however, a seeming correspondence between the positions of the planets and the events on Earth. It's essentially our cosmic how-to guide written by our ancestors. And when we look at events astrologically, we're seeing how all of the energies at play work together in manifesting an event. So I like to think of this as like the perfect storm, you know, one piece amplifying the other and so on. 
And that's what we're seeing metaphorically on the night that the Titanic went down. James Cameron appeared on a number of news outlets this week to talk about the sub-implosion, Titanic the ship, Titanic the movie, and is also seemingly a thought leader in the submarine community. Who knew? In interviews, he kept repeating two things that really stuck with me. The first is that the events surrounding both the sinking of the Titanic and the implosion of the Titan were eerily similar. Anytime anyone says anything along the lines of, quote, eerily similar, it's basically a starting pistol launching me down an astrological rabbit hole to find some kind of confirmation through the science of astrology. Two, he kept mentioning April 14th, 1912 as a, quote, moonless night, making navigation all the more difficult without the help of the cosmos. Before getting into the astrology of the night of the sinking, Let's first draw on the most basic, tangible parallels or some of these similarities Cameron sees between Titan and Titanic. So James Cameron specifically made reference to both captains ignoring clear warning signs of danger in pursuit of whatever was their ego-driven objective. So in the case of Titanic, we know that the captain wanted to operate at max speed in order to make headlines. He got his headlines, just probably not how he intended. And in the case of the Titan, it's still a bit unclear, but based on what we know so far, it seemed like its captain, Stockton Rush, was needlessly stubborn about his way being the right way, despite science telling us otherwise. Perhaps this is all in the name of being a pioneer. I really can't say one way or another. There are definitely astrological similarities between the two catastrophic events, and we'll get into all that in episode three, but for now, let's focus on Titanic to give us a solid foundation of understanding, and then we can build from there. Like individuals' charts, events' charts are equally as complicated, and sometimes a bit more, since there are so many ways to interpret what we're seeing, and hindsight in this case is truly 2020. Birth charts can be a bit easier to read, since we possess a general human nature and can understand how planets, placements, transits may show up in waking life. This is why this astrological breakdown of the event of Titanic sinking will sound a little bit more esoteric than an individual's birth chart reading. Think of it this way. On this episode, it's more the story, less the character. Also, it's not clear which of Titanic's quote, birth charts will give us the clearest insight. We could theoretically look at the time construction started on the ship, when it was finished, or when the Titanic set sea on her maiden voyage. So for this reason, I'm going to only talk about the night sky on the night that the Titanic sank. Research for this episode has been super fascinating and a bit convoluted at the same time, so I wanted to help break it all down by discussing each planet and the role they likely played in this greater web of an event. You'll notice that sometimes I'll mention a few planets together, and that's because the story of Titanic is essentially a summary of those planets' conversations with one another. I know it sounds weird, but hopefully it'll, it'll stick soon. Let's get into the Titanic itself. The night of April 14th, 1912, Titanic received six warnings of sea ice but was traveling near her max speed when lookouts spotted the iceberg. So by the time it was already way too late, the ship suffered a devastating blow on her starboard side, it's her right side, tearing through five of the 16 
of the ship's compartments. One huge major astrological event surrounding the sinking of the Titanic occurred two and a half days after, and that was the total solar eclipse of April 17th, 1912. When we're looking at astrology, energies are malleable. They're not exact, meaning it's not as though the universe is saying like, okay, it's midnight, time for chaos. So we look at a window of dates before and after an event to get the fullest understanding. And the events around Titanic have eclipse energy written all over it, which makes sense as all of these events, the launch, the sinking, all of that was happening in a buildup to the solar eclipse. So as we mentioned, April 14th was a moonless night sky and only two and a half days away from this major eclipse. Though we didn't see it with the naked eye because it was a new moon, which is dark moon essentially, we know that the moon in the chart was squaring, which is essentially squaring off in a ring, having a fight with Neptune, the ocean. To turn the volume up even more, this was a total solar eclipse meaning that the moon perfectly covered up the entire face of the sun turning day into night and was also seen by most of Western Europe. So even people of the time were aware enough to find it bizarre of the correlation between this semi-rare astronomical event and the sinking of Titanic only two days prior. So from an astrological spiritual perspective, a solar eclipse is three times more potent than a new moon and can be an extreme change agent. And change is scary, and we Earthlings typically don't like it. So whether it's a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, these events symbolize drastic new beginnings and turning points and often mark times of unpredictable and unexpected shifts in our lives. So for centuries across cultures, across the globe, eclipses brought an omen that something extremely significant is about to happen. And that was because they do. So eclipses always bring the unexpected and something you couldn't have planned for. It's always something major that changes your life forever. Something ends, something begins. Eclipses tend to bring the best and worst moments of our lives. So it could range from, you know, promotions, triumphs, letdowns, eureka moments, weddings, divorces, project launches, childbirth, moving to a new city, meeting the love of your life, losing the love of your life, and so on. So in other words, during an eclipse, expect shocking meetings and partings. And if you think of pinball, it's like when you get into that ding, 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 double point mode for a moment. These are ways to speed up our individual evolution and evolution as a society. Whatever it is, it's super intense. As a side note, I've noticed that a number of really significant albums or songs are dropped during eclipses. I'm excited to talk about that in an episode soon, but for now, let's get back to the Titanic. As for the night of April 14th to the 15th, 1912, let's look into the most prominent astrological challenges of the Titanic. The darkest time during a moon cycle is just before a new moon. It makes visibility extremely limited. So not only was this a dark moon operating in eclipse weather, there was a fog, poor visibility. And this is sort of like, hi Neptune. Neptune is very much that foggy energy. And Mercury was retrograde. So the sun at the time of the sinking was in Aries, and the moon was in the elusive and mysterious sign of Pisces, 
which is a sign ruled by Neptune and associated with the ocean. We tend to associate the sun more with our ego, our sort of outer selves, and the moon with our emotions and our inner worlds. So if I were to look at this, obviously now in hindsight, an Aries sun with that Pisces moon on this date was sort of a harsh reminder that man's ego is no match for the Piscean Neptunian realm of oneness and spirituality because it's the ego that separates us and it's spiritualism that connects us. So with the sun in Aries, this big, impulsive, adventure-driven baby, the first sign of the zodiac, and the moon in Pisces, the spiritual mystic, and the last sign of the zodiac, we can expect some karmic-style showdowns. Let's look exactly at 11.40 p.m. on April 14th. This is the moment that the ship struck the iceberg. The moon is in Pisces, and the ascendant, rising, is in Scorpio, meaning Scorpio was a constellation rising on the eastern horizon at this point. And this is forming a grand trine, which is essentially a triangle with Neptune in Cancer. I know that seems super confusing, but let's look at what signs we're talking about. Pisces, Scorpio, and Cancer in a triangle. Those are all the water signs. The moon and ascendant blowing with Neptune in all three of these water signs at this point. Water puts out the fun and fiery spirit of the Titanic. So remember in a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about how the ascendant or the rising sign changes every two hours, which is why the more specific time we have for birth will give us the most comprehensive birth chart. So by the time the ship is fully underwater, just after 2.20 a.m. on April 15th, the ascendant, rising, is in Sagittarius, and the intense transformation of the scorpionic sinking is over. The people left in the lifeboats needed faith at this point that they'd be rescued. Sagittarius rules faith. So let's talk about the moon on April 14th specifically. We kept hearing James Cameron refer to it as a moonless night. Well, where the hell was the moon? (laughs) It was a new moon, a new moon in the sign of Pisces. When the new moon occurs, we can't see it in the night sky. And this is because the moon does not create light, it reflects light. When the moon lies between the earth and the sun, only the backside of the moon is lit by the sun. In this situation, the side of the moon facing the earth is not able to reflect any light at all and appears dark. Let's talk about the role of Mercury. Mercury, the planet of the mind and communication. When Titanic sank, Mercury was retrograde. It was also in the sign of Aries. This sort of links back to J.P. Morgan. John Phillips was a Titanic radio operator who had a wireless breakdown, Mercury retrograde, and he got an ice alert from the steamship Masaba and did not pass it on. The ship SS Californian sent another alert. He ignored it. Philip's life was lost along with countless others. So apparently he was too busy to listen to iceberg signals on the evening of Titanic sinking because he was occupied sending out telegrams of onboard passengers who wanted to send electronic postcards, essentially, from the luxurious ocean liner. In fact, when the radio operator on the Californian, the one ship that could have potentially rescued Titanic passengers, warned Titanic it was entering an ice field, Titanic's operator replied, shut up, I am busy. So after the arrogant reply, 
the Californian operator decided to shut down for the night just when Titanic was approaching the iceberg. Let that be a lesson to us all. Another communication issue was how uninformed the crew members and the passengers were when it came to the seriousness of the problem. People on board didn't even start to really process what was happening to them until they saw the nightmare with their own eyes. And even some of the high-ranking officers weren't clear on the severity of the situation until over an hour into the sinking. Side note, I mentioned in the last episode that Mercury retrograde is nothing to fear. However, if it manifests in this way, feel free to get freaked out. Luckily, this is quite rare. So now let's talk about the role of Mars. Mars is the planet of action, the collective's focus and level of aggression. At the time of the sinking, Mars was in Cancer. There are a couple of interesting things with this. So many passengers were almost bizarrely optimistic despite witnessing the very real problem for themselves. And we can attribute this to Neptune. We'll get into that in a moment. Even when the ship was clearly sinking, most passengers remained calm and optimistic because there was a mysterious light on the horizon that they believed was a rescue boat, assumed to be the Californian, which was what they thought on its way to Titanic in a rescue mission, but was in actuality nowhere in sight because of the curvature of the Earth. So what was that mysterious glowing light on the horizon? Well, that would be the planet Mars, which slowly set behind the horizon and suddenly an imminent rescue became a lot less of a possibility. To note, Mars was in Cancer and Neptune was in Cancer this whole time since April 5th, which may be why Neptune, the sea, was more aggressive, Mars, than we'd normally see. So let's get to the role of Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of expansion, the collective sense of hope and growth. On this night, Jupiter was in Sagittarius. So while Jupiter is the planet of hope, when it squared off against Venus, essentially having an argument with Venus, this turns that hopeful Sagittarius energy into false hope. And we know that the last bit of hope on the horizon was actually the literal sight of the planet Mars, and the women and children had to face the reality that the men would likely perish. This is what a showdown between Jupiter and Venus can look like. Let's get to the role of Saturn. Saturn is the planet of structure, global structures, time, collective karma. And on this night, Saturn was in Taurus. So these two very stable signs were dealing at the time with collective karma. Okay, let's talk about Uranus. So Uranus is the planet of revolution, shock, unexpected change. I like to think of Uranus as like plot twist energy. This night, Uranus was in Aquarius. And Uranus, being the great surprise party of the Zodiac, is very much that sudden news that changes everything. So revolutionary Uranus in its home sign, in open-minded Aquarius, has a tendency to bring change and upheaval, though it's typically embraced. And I guess at some point, what else can people do but face reality. Let's talk about the role of Neptune because Neptune played a very significant role in this evening. So Neptune, the planet of magic, the oceans, illusions, scandals, religion, spirituality. I like to think of the song Hotel California by the Eagles as the song version of Neptune, if that can help paint the picture. And at this time, 
Neptune was in Cancer, the planet that rules family, history, safety. Neptune represents the force of the sea, and Uranus, the planet of shock and surprise, sank an unsinkable ship. That same night, Venus, the moon, and Neptune were all very close to each other in the sky, and this is called a conjunction. So when planets are close together in this way, it's considered good energy generally. So Venus, the moon, Neptune, conjunct, again, meaning physically close to one another, their energy can manifest in a couple of ways with regards to the Titanic. If we're looking at a more positive manifestation of the energies, the moon, Venus, and Neptune could be seen to represent the women, children, and their salvation. Or, if we're to face the sobering reality, it could represent the gilded opulence of the luxury liner, that's Venus, and their confusion in the ensuing chaos, which is the moon and Neptune. Okay, so let's talk about the role of Pluto. So Pluto wasn't discovered until 1930, but that doesn't mean her energy wasn't there to influence the other planets. It's just that now we're able to understand where that energy came from, and we can really see the impact that Pluto had and has in our daily lives and the collective at large. On this night, Mars and Pluto were squaring. These two planets squaring, essentially squaring off in the ring, is symbolic of reckless persistence in the face of grave danger. The Titanic failed to slow down even after receiving several wireless messages warning of the ice ahead. I know this is a bit confusing, and when we're talking about how these planetary energies can manifest in real life, I like to think of it as like cosmic Taco Bell. So the same three or four ingredients, planets, are mixed up by the Taco Bell think tank in such a way that we get a new and exciting menu item every time. So let's get into some side mythology because I love this. Neptune was the Roman version of Poseidon, who is god of the ocean and who is an Olympian before taking Oceanus's throne and demoting him. So now Oceanus, Uranus, and Prometheus were all titans. They were part of the earliest known Greek pantheon who teamed up to fight their common enemy, Neptune. This trio, and I kid you not, were called the Titanic deities. They were later overthrown by 12 Olympian gods who reminded them once again who is in charge. So we know that the White Star Line created not only the Titanic, but its quote, little sister ship, the Olympic. So in Greek and Roman mythology, this is basically a big F you to the Olympic gods since they already defeated the Titans and now Titanic, getting a little too big for his britches, dared to be a bigger ship than the Olympic, declaring itself the largest ship in the world? G-T-F-O. Were the gods a little pissed at the audacity and the hubris? Perhaps. You know, our inner wisdom and stories are endless. Now, Titanic, that arrogant ship, was at the mercy of Neptune as we're in his realm. This is the realm of oceans and subconscious fears, meaning man did not want to admit his mortality and Titanic refused to show humility. Neptune had to send a swift reminder. 
Ugh, I love mythology. It's so cool how it transcends time and space, and it's a little trippy. <laughs> so, okay, one last note on the night of April 14th, when the lifeboat passengers were finally rescued by the Carpathia, the ascendant, meaning constellation rising over the eastern horizon, was in Capricorn, creating a trine, that good energy triangle, with Saturn and Taurus. Stability returning. So thanks for checking out this episode. I hope it made sense. And if you have any questions or you want to talk more about this, reach out. I love to talk about this stuff. On the final third of these little pods, we'll discuss the astrology of today, about the similarities between the astrology of the Titanic and the Titan submersive, and get into the seemingly random drama brewing in the oceans the past couple weeks. So until then, thanks.